Good evening, everybody, to the Cantina MX Football Podcast. My name is Jaime Landeros, and tonight joining me is Joel. We're going to be recapping the two friendlies Mexico had, talk a little bit about some Liga Mekis news, and uh, we'll keep it short tonight. Joel, how are we doing? Doing good, doing good, Jaime. Mexico just finished their two friendlies they had in a week period, starting off with Holland. Uh, that was their first game. And uh not sure if you caught that one, but Mexico ended up winning 1-0 thanks to a in the- uh, PK by Raul Jimenez in sort of a... I re- was going to say the, the phantom of Nora Penal, right? Yeah, it's like reversing the curse. <laughs> A unfair, unjust penalty call from Robin back in 2014. And we get revenge. Not really because it's a friendly. But we beat Holland, man. Yeah, it's a good win. And we were talking about the importance of beating uh, rivals of, of that caliber just because of what it could mean for Mexico at the, you know, at, at the rankings. And, and to try to be seated for the World Cup. Uh, And so, yeah, you need them, especially because once the Europeans start playing their League of Nations, some of those teams might, might, um, you know, get get a bit more leverage, a bit more points. So when we do play, when when Mexico does play these teams, then they need to make make the best out of it. And so I I think they're still in good, in good, to get a seed or not be as easy but but they're close yeah we mentioned on the last podcast that uh, at that time mexico was actually ranked higher than holland uh, 11 in the world versus 13 so we were going into that game despite being out on the road as you know the better team technically on paper and we had a decent lineup um talavera was in the back you know so going with experience there. And, and like I mentioned, um, I mentioned this like all year, you know, how I'm concerned about, you know, who's next in kin after Ochoa right now. He's, he's unfortunately injured and there's really no one raising their hand saying, Hey, don't worry. I'm going to be the next on the throne. But, you know, you said, you know, not to worry these, you know, these goalkeepers go into their forties, but what happens when they get injured, we had to rely on, on Talavera and uh, he surprisingly did, Pretty well. Yeah, Talavera. And I mean, Cota's still there, you know. Cota's there, uh, but it was Talavera who started that game. Uh, in, the, in the defense, Gallardo, Hector Moreno, Cesar Montes, and Chaca Rodriguez. Don't know what coaches see in Chaca, but he got the nod that day <laughs> against Holland. I don't know, man. Maybe he's in training. He does some things, or he's really good at politics or something, but... This is not a guy who should be starting for their national team, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, favorites. I mean, there are players that they're they're better with the national team they are than they are at the club. Yeah. So, and I think that's that's the importance of when, like, a coach might see something in him, and then they hold they hold camp, and that's that's when you know, that's when the the player gets to convince the coach, all right, I'll, you know, that he's a good fit for his for his squad, for his tactics, for his team. 
Yeah, I guess there's not much competition on the right back or left back. Um, I, was, I, was, is... I was looking at the age uh-huh. time since you were saying that Lareda's pushing 40. He's 38. He's old. But, uh, <laughs> hey, hey, some of us are <laughs> older than that. I mean, to be playing at a professional um, level, you know. We're third, Jaime. But the keeper, <laughs> I mean, the keeper, you know, it's not like he's going to be running the way, what is it, five miles or whatever it is that. Yeah. That they track the players of running. Uh, Gota's thirty-three, so I mean, yep. I think he's 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 reliable. If anything, you know, that's that's the thing about Gota. He might not he may not be as you know. <laughs> yeah, I as got convincing. I'll say as as we've seen other co- other uh, porteros, but he's he's done good for the teams he's been with. Absolutely. Yeah, he was instrumental in the championship with Chivas, so I'll over, you know, be grateful for that. Uh, I got a lot to say about Cota uh, on tonight's game, but before we we do that, I just wanted to have like sort of more thoughts on the, on the Netherlands game. So we had Hector Moreno, who's playing in, um, I think he's playing in Qatar currently, or uh, he might even be in, uh, yeah, in Qatar. So Hector Moreno, I don't know, again, going with experience in the midfield, those Guardado, Edson Alvarez, and Herrera. Um, Herrera, who hasn't really seen much action with Atleti Madrid. Guardado, obviously the captain of the team, so I wasn't against that. And then up top, Tecatito Corona, Raul Jimenez, and Rodolfo Pizarro, which was another questionable choice by Tata. Um, Tecatito playing amazing football right now, so... Him and Raul, I I approve of, but uh, Pizarro plays in the MLS, and in my opinion, we have better wingers than him, so I, I wasn't really happy about him getting the spotlight against Holland. Don't give up on Pizarro already, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and when Moreno does indeed play in Qatar, Al Al Garafa. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> that's 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 where he's at, man. He's in the he's in the MLS of the. Of the... Yeah, um, R- Netherlands actually had a had a pretty good team. You know, it's not like they used their bench players. They had Van de Vick or Van de Van. I can't even pronounce his name, but he's like the stud <laughs> center back. I think he won. Did he win Player of the Year? I forgot. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know who that is, man. Uh, Virgil Van Dijk. He plays for uh, Liverpool. He's a center back. He's uh one of the best defenders in the world. Hey, we we had. I I do remember one of our faithful listeners saying Mexico is gonna get. They're gonna get smashed. Oh yeah. Oh, he got runner-up of Ballon de Oro 2019. I know he was up there. He was actually, like, pretty close. He's up there. I mean, it's very rare that a defender wins it, so for him to get runner-up was pretty impressive. So, um, Yeah, yeah. Funny thing, there was a video of him uh, walking to the the locker room, and I think Raul Jimenez was holding the camera. He's like, wait. You're Mexican, aren't you? And he just like runs away. Like he like recognized them, you know, because they both play in the Premier <laughs> League. But um, yeah, Holland they lost, man, and and I think 
uh, DeBowers, he got, I mean, that was his first game for Holland. So he definitely got grilled for that performance. Uh, and he had recently left the MLS. So there was a lot of criticism about, is this the right guy for the job? Especially, you know, considering the fact that Holland missed out of the World Cup. I've forgotten about that. Yeah, man. It's craziness. They went from playing a final. Was that 2010? You know, not, not, yeah. Yeah. A from, decade ago. You know, finalists to not even qualifying. Yeah. Um, as far as the game went, Raul missed a sitter pretty early in the match. And I was really upset about that. But then, you know, like we mentioned, the phantom penalty or the, the penalty curse reverse. And then they end up winning 1-0. And today they played their second friendly in Holland. This was in The Hague. And they played against Algeria. Not a rival that I personally know that well. Um, I know they have a few players that I recognize like Mares and Brahimi. Uh, Brahimi played alongside Tecatito Corona and, and Hector Herrera in Porto. So I did recognize him and obviously Mares. And uh, I'm not going to lie, man. This I don't know if Tata has any influence on these like friendlies or if he's the one that, you know, he's calling the shots as far as opponents. But this was a very good opponent. They were pressing Mexico the entire game. And they didn't know, Mexico didn't know what to do, man. They were trying to play out of the back. And they just kept like messing up, and 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 uh, and Algeria kept like winning those those battles in the midfield, and it seemed like they really weren't able to to figure that high press out. So this was a very good test for for Mexico. Yeah, there, there. This is one of these teams that we don't hear much about, just because they they're not really like at the World Cup stage. They're not like regulars, but. Is those teams that every now and then end up having a really good, you know, or at least very competitive squad, and then just playing teams that from different regions were not used to it. It's it's always been, I mean, Mexico's normally always struggle against African teams, but against the more like like you know like like the um like Senegal and and Nigeria the the physical. Algeria's uh, a bit different just because they're in Northern Africa. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 those type of games where you have to wonder if they scout it, <laughs> you know, that they scout the opponent. It's, it's, it's been in the past where they just uh, – I'm not saying – I'm not saying Tata didn't do it, but, you know, Mex, Mex has been guilty of that where they underestimate these type of opponents and it comes back to bite them in the ass. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was watching. I only caught the first half. I was really frustrated with the way they were playing because, again, we had MLS players starting, and it showed. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos was a ghost in the midfield. He just You could tell he was out of, out of form, out of rhythm. And so was Hector Herrera. Both of them got um, yellow cards in the first half. And they were very similar uh, tackles. They were mistimed, and they just looked a little bit lost out there. And then again, 
criticizing uh, Rolofo Pizarro, who got again the starter starting uh, on the on the team, and uh, he just did not have a great game. And you mentioned Cota. Cota was actually the starting goalkeeper in this one, and uh, I think that was a mistake because he had a lot of errors. Uh, so what was happening in the game was Algeria was pressing like right from the back. So as soon as there's a goal kick, they're being pressured and they were constantly forced to pass the ball back to Kota and Kota would <clears throat> either slip and give a, give away a, a easy, easy ball or like literally like kick the ball and it would go right to an Algerian player and they would, you know, get a <laughs> shot on target. So it was, a little bit shaky in the defense. And, uh, yeah, they just don't know how to play out of the back. I don't know if it's the players that they that they have or maybe they're not used to the high press, but they, they keep trying to play out of the back, and it just wasn't working out. And uh, Raul was, like, forced to come back a lot. And that's not where you want Raul Jimenez. You don't want him in the midfield asking for the ball. You want him, you know, in the 18-yard box waiting for a cross or something. So, um in the end, the game ended 2-2. Mexico actually scored first thanks to Tecatito Corona. He had a, a beautiful goal. He chipped the goalkeeper, and for a second, I had to double-check and make sure that wasn't Carlos Vela. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those goals. And then the second goal for Max, uh, you know, Diego important Lainez. as well. Yes, his first goal with the senior national team. <clears throat> so I think that's good. Uh because he's been slipping a bit at Betis, you know. There was this, maybe it was just rumors, but that, that Betis was getting ready to ship him off, uh, you know, and I guess he's still struggling in Spain. But, I mean, it's good to see him do good at the national team. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, he came in for, uh, he came in for Pizarro, and he did a good job. We were actually losing Two one at one point, he ended up scoring in the eighty six minute. So uh, they were able to rescue a draw, and uh, it was a it was a great opponent. I think Mexico did a great job as far as picking the right opposition. You know, we're starting to see less and but, less partidos moleros. Yeah, well, you know what, Mexico almost took the win. I, I think in the ninety, then like in the final minutes of the match. They had a shot hit the crossbar. Oh wow! So almost, almost two wins for Tata on the road, um, but he has an impressive record. And um, let me just here it is ninety second, ninety second. It was in the ninety second minute off of the crossbar. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it was a header, right? Or no, am I tripping? I don't know, man. <laughs> just, I just know they almost won it. <laughs> but, but I mean, that has been his record. I, I know you, you have a, you have a, you know, compiled results of how well that has been doing with, with Max since he took over. He's officially played 20 games, or played, coached 20 games for Mexico. Uh, 17 of those wins, two draws, and a loss. Um, 
and I took a screenshot of all the teams that you know he's faced, you know, starting with Chile, Paraguay, Venezuela, Ecuador. So those are you know worthy opponents. Then you get into the Gold Cup, and it's Cuba, you know, Canada, Martinique, Costa Rica. You know, it's like all right, whatever. You know, they beat uh, USA, which was important in the final, and then they played them again in a friendly. Not too much after that, three zero, and then that. That one defeat against Argentina, that's the one that really stings, a 4-0 defeat. Uh, <laughs> I know, especially because Mix had been doing so good. Yeah. And the, the press has always hyped the team up so much, you know, pump sunshine in their ass. <laughs> and then and then comes this defeat, and it's doom and gloom all over again. But, I mean, it's just this Argentine side with some of these world-class players that if they're having a good day, they can pretty much beat any team. Yeah. You know? That's just the yeah. type of players they have. You know, players are always playing finals or winning winning all type of important. <clears throat> and so I guess it was just one of those bad days, man. It's not it's not even that like the, the talent or anything like that. It's just it's a psychological advantage. They have made us our like they are like we're their bitch man like that's just just the, you know that's like the honest truth man they've beat us in the world cup back to back no, they do they do have yeah they are stronger and they do have you know they do have that edge over max but I, as fans i think we've gotten used to at least uh putting up a fight you yeah. know and we saw that what was it a draw when when they faced Argentina with Duca, you know, when he played those few games. We were up 2-0 in that game. And, uh, yeah, we, we ended up yeah. taking it in the end. And there's been some close calls, you know, so I think I think we always hope for that. We always hope for the game to be like that. But yeah, I, I do think the Mex has to be at his best when when they face Argentina. And, and I do think there's a type of opponent that, like same as Brazil, they they will not underestimate Mexico. Yeah, you know that they they just they're not gonna take Mex lightly. So I think that's also good, you know, where it's it's there's that level of respect just because of what Mexico's done, not just at Copa America, but even at the World Cup, and and they've seen it, uh, you know. So we could go back to to when Mex faced them. In the um, when you know when La Volpe was coach, and and they faced they faced off at the confederations. Oh yeah. And then at the World Cup, and those were really hard fought games. So mm-hmm. I mean, I I know that, the, and and I think, what's it what's it? Because I know they got Mexico got a win over Argentina at a Copa America. But yeah, I don't that remember was who was very very. Who was, who was, that was all many was many months ago. It was in two, It was 2004. It was Copa America, and it was a goal by Ramon Morales. Uh, Hugo Hugo Sanchez was the coach. Oh, no! Wait, was he? No. Yeah, 2004 uh, Copa America. Are you sure? Because I mean, it was a group stage. Could have been. Because that's the same Gold Cup or Copa America that Neddy scored, right? Or am I tripping? No, but that's when uh, Max when Neddy scored. He scored two against. No, he scored. He scored that golazo against uh, against Brazil when uh, when he does uh, trying to find the coach. He here. does the sombrerito, 
I could have been. It could have been Aguirre. I don't think it was. Or um, no, it could have been La Volpe was in off a free kick. I think you're you're. No, the goal was by Ramon Morales. It was a free kick against uh, Apato Ambona and Sieri. I remember that goal. Uh, I can't tell you who the coach was though, but it was in 2004. We're quietly searching for the co- <laughs> <laughs> You're searching for it too. Um, yeah, I don't know why they always they always show the lineups, but they never. Look, I found one from five days ago. Last time, Max beat Argentina. Thank you, Juan Football. It's <laughs> been 15 years, man. So it's the quinceanera right now. Jesus. QQ in, uh, was the two to sing quinceanera? The Puerto Rican guy. Uh, I'm trying to find. You're right. It was 2004. It was in Peru. Yeah, it was in Peru. And they were they were with Uruguay and Argentina, same group. Yeah, we Good ended Lord. up. We ended up getting destroyed by Brazil. Um, Gang- by um, what's his name? Who is a gangster now? Adriano. <laughs> He's a gangster. Yeah, he went to the his father passed away and he had a huge mental breakdown and they couldn't save him at Inter and he ended up, you know, going to Brazil and I think the last I heard of him he was in the favelas. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, I rem- that's a I did not know that happened to him. I remember because he was a youngster. Mhm. He was very young at Inter and and Ronaldo was there. He was a beast, yeah. man. Yeah, he was a huge dude, and he, and oh man, that sucks. Yes, Ramoncito Morales, mm-hmm. first half, two thousand four. You're right. Which he just had a happy birthday. Happy birthday to Ramon Morales. Oh, see, so he did. Good thing we remember that game, right on the quinceanera, and. Uh... Dude, I'm gonna lose my mind. Oh, here we go. Two thousand. Wait trying to find it it was la volpe oh there you go okay yeah he coached yeah, he coached so. mexico from 2002 to 2006 yeah we could play um chayanne that's the guy i was thinking of <laughs> chayanne chayanne had the song tiempo de vals and that's that was like <laughs> the, the song for have you ever been to a quinceanera that was we all, yeah we all that was that the song. song you were gonna hear it so that's that's what we play right now to celebrate the 15 years of Mexico's win. We're like Atlas fans right now. Oh man, we're not celebrating championships. We're celebrating was, wins. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was also at the peak of I want to say Ramon's career. Uh, Chivas at that time were doing really well in Libertadores, and we had beaten Boca. <laughs> so 2004 was a good year, man. Um, but I got a question for you. So, you know, you've seen 20 games from Tata. We've had worthy opponents. You know, not all of these are, are partidos moleros. Would you say that, you know, this is this is an impressive run for Tata or are these, you know, these stats kind of inflated a little bit? No, I, I think that they're – I wouldn't say impressive just because, you know, majority are like amistosos. And it's in line with what Mexico has shown they can do. 
but I think it shows that he's a very good coach. He knows what he's doing. You know, so I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, if we were to look at Osorio's first 20 games, they were, I mean, very, very similar results. Well, even, even Chepo, I think Chepo had even a better result. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he did. His meltdown didn't come until the, the, hex, which, <laughs> the meltdown, like, sucked, which sucked. I mean, just cause, just cause what that team promised, it just promised so much. And then for it to fall apart the way it did, but yeah, he has his yeah the next team has been record. So I think uh, ultimately where we're gonna judge, Tata is gonna be at the World Cup. You well, know? we we don't we don't have a Copa America anymore, and, and World Cup qualifiers have always been tricky. So I wouldn't buy into yeah. the whole Caminando thing because La Volpe's. You know, you, you, the opponents are never like the same. Like, there's been cycles where the where the opponents and the hex are really strong, and then we've gotten cycles where the opponents are pretty weak. Very weak. Yeah. Which happened with La Volpe, and they qualified, as they say, walking. Some, of, but then they get to the World Cup, and it wasn't really impressive when you look at Mex results at that World Cup. They were pretty <clears throat> average. Um, you know, well, so I guess that's yeah. that's when Tata's going to ultimately be judged once he gets to the big dance. Yeah, because I, I, I was looking up. So when you look at Juan Carlos Osorio, he managed 52 games. He had 33 wins, which is not bad. A win percentage of 63.5. He did lose nine. All right, sorry, he he drew nine games and lost ten. And some of those part of those ten defeats were pretty pretty significant, like the Chile seven one defeat and then obviously in the World Cup. Um Aguirre has a similar record with Osorio, fifty five games managed, thirty five wins, so uh very, very similar records. Obviously Aguirre had like two ten years. And right now, Tata Martino has a pretty high win percentage, 85%. So on top of that, they've scored 53 goals and have conceded 19 goals. So, I mean, again, these numbers can be deceiving. We have had those crazy results like, you know, against Cuba, we won 7-0 or... uh, Costa Rica and all that stuff, but I I'm, I hope that we keep them for not just four years, but eight years, man. I hope that they they give him the tenure that he that he deserves. I mean, this isn't this is a coach that actually has a very impressive um, resume. You know, he coached Barcelona, so yeah, you know, if he does if he does good at the World Cup, I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, and I don't think. What do you, by good, I mean, what would be a good, good result? I mean, uh, just getting getting out of the group stage. <laughs> I mean, it's Max. It's not like it's a team where you ex, you know, like the way you see some of the other clubs like Germany. I think a good result that would satisfy fans would be anything. <laughs> Past round of sixteen, whether it's a quarterfinal or semifinal appearance, 
I think that's what people have been wanting for a very long time. El quinto partido, el quinto partido, you know. So, I think it, if he was to do that, it would suffice an eight-year tenure, I think. I just don't think CONCACAF is going to be that difficult, to be honest. I, I honestly think Mexico will, will have a pretty easy qualifying run. Um. Yeah, yeah. If we look at the rivals, they're not that strong. They're, Costa yeah. Rica's nowhere near that. What they did in twenty fourteen, um, none of the Central American teams. I mean, we played. Have shown. We played IT in the semifinals of Copa Oro. I, <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean that. Well, I mean IT was. Were they the ones who knocked on Mexico in seventy four? Uh, but I'll get to the Caribbeans right in a bit. Central America, you know, because that's one of the regions, and they're just right now they're dropping the ball. It's like in the past you've had Honduras, maybe they, you know, where they've had some really tough, tough squads or some players that are like really good. You know, you had Pavon Plumer who was in Liga MX and he was a pretty good goal scorer, and they had a Suazo, you know, they go to what they call him, El Principe Suazo or something. Um, but he was he was in Serie A and he was another another good goal scorer. I mean, and if you if you think right now, like okay, you you really can can't name that many players outside of the the goalkeeper that was at Real, you know. Uh, um, I even forgot his name. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was Chicharito's butt buddy too. I, I should know this. <laughs> He's still somewhere doing Na- good. Navas. Um, <clears throat> Navas. There you. Go. There we go. There you go. But but I mean Central America, and you know they just. We used to have like just, boogeymen like Honduras, you know Pavon. Yeah, even El Salvador. Like if you went, yeah. Max went into El Salvador, it was not going to be a oh, kickball. Yeah. You know, it was always one of those games that they just hated to play. Even so, there's nothing right now to fear. We ain't saying with all due respect. It's, yeah. As a matter of fact, I think El Salvador is under investigation where they they might oh, they, they might, might be even, this bad. Yeah, they might. Yeah, they yeah. might be this. So, <laughs> not not good from I Central know, America. I know right Trinidad now. and Tobago is suspended. Well, so. <laughs> there you go. I mean, but, and so yeah, it takes us to the Caribbean, um, and that's that's the thing where, I you know they've had those type of players that Mex struggles with, not just Mex, but I would say even. The, the rest of like the the other Central American teams, they would also because it's these like very like strong athletic type players like Jamaica. So you talking about? Yeah, like Jamaica, Trinidad. Yeah, and that you could throw in Haiti in there, and it's, it's these players, and a lot of them usually play in the English lower leagues. So I mean, they're getting, you know, it's not like they're just playing, they're just playing Sunday pub. I'm, you know they're not. I'm waiting not, for. I'm waiting for Canada to step up. You know they have. Ah, My bad. We're going by region. We're going uh, by okay, region. Okay, okay, okay. So, <laughs> so you have the Caribbean, and there's always been one of those teams that's always is gonna cause problems or make it into the World Cup, as we saw with Jamaica making it to France, and then uh, Trinidad and whatnot. <clears throat> so you. To, to always expect one of these teams to be to be pretty tough, and I mean, who was it? 
TNT that knocked out the Yanks from the World Cup. So I think right now that's probably one team from there that's going to be is going to be somewhat difficult. Uh, and then, yeah, when we do get to North America, I do think that's you have the U.S. and Canada, and I do think Canada has been working. They've been working uh, with, with just like having their own league, having teams in MLS, and and then working with their youth. So they they've been, you know, pusieron las pilas. In the U.S., very young squad, but you have the Mex press creaming creaming all over them, and so. That remains to be seen what happens. I know that despite their talent, uh, their fans don't really trust the coach. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm looking at the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. Uh, you know, the traditional hex has been expanded for two more teams. So now there's eight eight teams that will be fighting for the for the qualification of the 2022 World Cup, the top three will, will go automatically, and then the fourth team will be um, going to a playoff. But of the eight spots, Honduras has one, USA has one, Costa Rica has one, Mexico has one, and Jamaica has one. So we're awaiting three spots. And there's like five groups. No, one, two, three, four, five. There's six groups that are, that are going to fight it out to, for those three spots. So we'll see what happens. I'm kind of rooting three, for like a... Three and a half, no? Oh, I think you so. You get the... Yeah, the last ticket's like a repechaje. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like there's a, like a first round for the... Even before like the Hex... There's like a oh, okay. there's like a first round for all these Caribbean oh, all, right. all these Caribbean teams. About. Yeah. So like El Salvador, Granada, the Virgin Islands are in there, Canada, Bermuda, Cayman Islands, Ar- Aruba, Curaçao. It's like all these That's that's, that's yeah. John Jacu's favorite, Curaçao. Curaçao. He has high he has high hopes for them. Be... For them and Canada. Oh, okay. So, uh, That'd be nice to see a team that you've never heard of before, like Puerto Rico. That'd be kind of crazy. Bahamas. <laughs> as long as they don't, as long as they don't go get, you know, they don't get destroyed. You know, that was the point. <laughs> oh yeah, that's you true. You get to the World Cup and then they just send you packing back home. Um. So to wrap up the selection, we will have two more friendlies in November. It looks like they've already secured the bag against South Korea on November 14th and Japan on November 17th. Both games will be in Austria. Good. You know, it's it's all good opponents. Man. You know, facing because uh, Algeria was Africa. I think they won. They won the. They won. They won the, the African Cup of Nations. Yep. Yeah. So they're the champions. And, and when you think of Asia, um, Obviously, it's always Japan and South Korea that are the two main and Australia main teams to go to Australia. You know that they're they're, uh, they're in the they Asian. sort of latched on. Yeah, they're they were no they were in Oceania with 
New Zealand. Yeah, and... I don't know. It's, yeah, Galapagos. I don't know what. <laughs> Madagascar. Atlantis. <laughs> Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, yeah who, they, they even, Who's in the Oceania? I don't even know who's in the Oceania. Yeah, well, I mean, they knew that they were always going to have a repechaje because they don't have a direct ticket. Uh, and uh, so they knew it was a repechaje ticket, and then they were always going up against, like, South American team, which, like, just sucked for them. So you you end up having to try to beat Argentina or Uruguay or some of these pretty strong teams. It was just a bad bad bet for them. It's like, let's just go to Asia. <laughs> American Samoa, Cook Islands, Fiji, Kerbati, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, Tahiti, you know what? Tonga. Damn. You could go over there, Jaime, and you could join one of those national teams. I am down, man. And then you could play, like, you played it. At least you played official FIFA <laughs> World Cup qualifier. That's MTV True Life. I played World Cup qualifiers. I... No, but I mean, like, no, think, think about it. You, you do get... You know, you you might get to end up playing a a friendly at Azteca or something, and it's like an official game. They did have a while back, I think, um, there's a report, I think it was on Vice. There was a couple dudes that, like like professionals or semi-pros, that moved to some of those islands to be like on the national team. Huh. And I know, like, some of them were in, they were, like, in the Philippines or something like that. I mean, because, look, you, you get to travel and you, you can, yeah. you do get some perks. And and a lot of times, those FAs do get money. They do get money from FIFA. So, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if they just started recruiting, you know? <laughs> I know, right? Well, they did make laws for that because they were scared that teams were going to end up with a bunch of like mercenaries where they were going to have, they weren't really going to represent the country. Like you'll have a bunch of Brazilians because you, you can't <laughs> do that. Imagine you're, yeah. you, you go and recruit all these Brazilians and they do, they'll join. They don't care. They, they so, know hey, they're not going to be in that you're not good, out, you're, if, you're never going to get picked by Brazil, but how about you wrap Samoa, yeah. you know? You make the World Cup, man. <laughs> and, and no, we've seen it. I mean, they've they've in in other countries where they they move to play, and then you know they they get the nationality and they end up I playing mean, for those teams. I know in two thousand six Germany, most of their players were from not they weren't German. They were Polish or Turkish or. From... But weren't they just like immigrants, like yeah. sons of immigrants? Yeah, exactly. And then France too. I mean, look at the French national national team most of those players have like african uh roots you know like their parents or their you know they're they're from yeah all these countries in africa true true a lot of these players were like benzema i think he was also eligible to play for algeria um algeria if it had if they had their way they would have had a really successful team because i think i forgot where zidane's from but i think he's also got roots over there yeah his family, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, not a bad not a not bad friendlies coming up for, for Mexico, South Korea. We obviously know them very well. They were in our group and they saved our ass. Um we could have lost. 
we could have been eliminated from the <laughs> from the World Cup in the group stage if it wasn't for Korea. So they they beat Germany for us. Um, as far as Japan, we we have faced them a few times. Uh, when I think of Japan, we always play them in the Confederations Cup. Um, so we, I think we have a respectable record versus Japan, but those are those are some solid opponents. Yeah, they are, it, and it's good to play those type of opponents because you you're bound to end up with one of those type of teams at the World Cup. Uh, let's see. So they have played Japan, actually not that many times. Um, the last time they played was in 2013 in the Conf- Confederations Cup, and we beat them two one. And before that, again, was the Confederations Cup in 2005. Same scoreline, 2-1. And then after, before that was a Chinese New Year tournament, Mexico 1-1-0. Year 2000. Wow. Man, 20 years ago, yeah. And then 1998, they played Japan in an international friendly in May. That was probably right leading up to the, to the World Cup. So kind of like a similar strategy. You know, you might you might be in a group with an Asian team, an African team, and a European team. So Tata Martino is just trying to cover all his bases. But yeah, no, I encourage these friendlies. They're better than playing Paraguay five times, or Ecuador, <laughs> or 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 Brazil's under twenty three. Yeah. No, it is good. It is good because in the past, that's that's what Mexico they've played. Sometimes some of these youth teams they they've gotten even even youth teams from from Europe, like the under twenty threes or whatnot. Um, but that's yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good quality rivals. Uh, so now we are heading back towards which? Wait, wait! I yes, before yes, yes. you before you we move ahead, this was a concern that I had, and we had talked about it way back with John, uh, because the person that, oh man, his name is, skips my mind, Dennis the Close. So Dennis the Close was in charge of getting friendlies for Max, and he had gotten some really good ones. And so it was one of our concerns because he, le- he left because, uh, you know, he had some problems trying to schedule other stuff and whatnot, and he got offered the job from the Galaxy so, um, so that was a concern. Like, okay, so whoever who's gonna take over? Are they gonna be as as diligent as Mister Close? Are they gonna be able to continue getting these these type of good teams? And uh, I know Gerardo Torrado stepped up, but I'm not exactly sure of what his role is. But whoever it is, I I think he's, they're doing a good job of, of you know. And I don't know if it's because they're doing a good job or because of the COVID. Because <laughs> 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 it's COVID and it's just become easier to get opponents. Uh, but but regardless, um, it's good. It's good to have these type of preparations, like you say, these type of uh, game, you know, opponents to match up against. There's this variety, you know. Oh, yeah. You actually had a quote um, from Tata. We have shown yes. that we can compete against important teams, play as equals, and be in control of the matches. Today, I highlight the courage with which we went to look for the tie. 
Okay. In a period of four years, it is good to face rivals of different characteristics. Yeah, there you go. I like the courage to, for, for the tie, man. We got to go for the win, bro. I know, I know Algeria is a, an opponent we don't really know that well. And they did come out to play. This wasn't just 90 minutes and, you know, go on with your day. No, they actually played a win. And I respect that. And they definitely put us under um, pressure that they weren't used to. I don't know too many teams that high-press Mexico like that. Most teams against against us bunker because of our region, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So it was, it was nice to see a team go, like, toe-to-toe with us. I'm just very un- very disappointed in the fact that we were losing the match and we weren't able to decipher the the code, you know. When someone's te- when a team is pressing you like that, this is what you do. You launch the ball. You you skip the line. You go for Raul. Raul's a tall guy. He's used to heading those down when he plays for Wolves. So it's like you just do that, you know. But for some reason, they just couldn't figure it out. Um, well, he did. He did get the two assists. No. Uh, he, I think he did. Yeah. Came up. He came up. He, yeah. Yeah. Raul is is definitely going to be our starter for the World Cup in twenty twenty two. Um. We'll see who's going to be guiding him on the wings, but I hope it's Chucky Lozano and Tecate. Unfortunately, Chucky missed out for for COVID. He doesn't have it, but out of precaution, Napoli asked him to. It, it just goes to show how much he's, he's earned a spot there, you know? Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it would have been like, ah, take him. We're not. We don't need him. <laughs> we don't need him. But uh, he's becoming an important player for them. Yeah. When they don't, when they don't let you go, that that just highlights that, you know. So in the meantime of these two friendlies, there was some Liga MX action on Sunday. Uh, Santos ended up being beating Tijuana in a makeup game of match day twelve. So after those results, uh, Tijuana will stay in thirteenth position, and Santos will. Be right behind Chivas. Uh, they they're in ninth place with eighteen. Chivas have nineteen points, and we just found out that we're gonna start seeing fans pretty soon. It looks like they are letting pl- uh, fans return to the stadiums at about fifty percent capacity, and the first clubs to allow this to happen are Mazatlan FC and Ecaxa. Which, if I'm not mistaken, both those teams are sucking eggs right now. <laughs> I wonder if they're gonna do the six feet. <laughs> I doubt it. You, you know, you know the six feet apart. Uh, that would be interesting to see. But I mean, they have to let fans in sooner or later. Uh, speaking of Leon, they're having some problems, and they just got booted from their stadium. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, they got booted. They don't own the stadium. The stadium's owned by uh, by the city. And, and I don't know what the problem was, but they were like, you know what, kick rocks. No way. And they, they had to, they brought the U-Hauls. They, they, pack, they packed their <laughs> stuff. And El equipo de León se queda sin I estadio. Think, wow. I think they're going to be playing at Necaxas. I think they're going to use Necaxa Stadium for their next match. But it kind of sucks. Um, 
to see that they're doing good. And I don't know if it's going to affect them, you know, not being able to have that. Camp new, huh? And then I got cut off. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll repeat it. I'll repeat it. I was saying how I wonder if it's going to affect them because Leon has been doing really good. And, you know, you hate to lose your home field advantage. And then I know people are going to say, well, there's no fans. Mm -hmm. But home field advantage doesn't just come to the fan support. It's also, you know, the dimension of the field. Some fields are longer. Some fields are wider. Yeah. Uh, the, the cut of the the cut of the grass or the type of the grass, you know, <clears throat> that also affects and travel. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, that you don't have to travel that, especially if you like the times that you have two home games back to back, so you get that extra leisure time. Um, but but you know, so you you see it a lot of times where players are struggling sometimes, like they can't do a good pass or they can't trap the ball, and it's it comes down to sometimes they're having a hard time with with the field. And you'll see them like changing cleats. So you're saying they but, should play a tres de marzo? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I just hope it doesn't end up hurting their season. You know, it will suck for, for Mr. Nacho man. So things don't seem to work Nacho for that man. guy. Yeah. <laughs> Ignacio. Ambrich, yeah, uh, can have a bit of bad luck. I mean, look, look, look at last time. He, he makes the final and they take away JJ Mack. You know? They're current. Okay, yeah, so you're right. To go waste his time at Thunder 23. And, and, uh, <laughs> and now he's having another good season and they take away his home field advantage. I mean, this dude can't catch a break. Poor Nacho. Poor Nacho. Their last five games, they've won four and drawn one, so they're in great form. 30 points, head of the league. And Cruz Azul are in second place with 26 points. So, um, yeah, they're going to be in first place for at least another week. And they will be playing America on Monday, so it's a pretty good matchup. America are uh, currently in third position, so that'll be a good battle. And... Uh, Piojo, if I'm not mistaken, I actually forgot to mention this when we were talking about Tata, but I think he threw a jab at Piojo a little bit. Um, you know, saying yeah, that I think he returned. He he returned fire. He said something about he was nervous about the last 15 minutes against Holland because we know what's happened in the past. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely that was. So what did what did Piojo say in return? Do you know? No, but I think Piojo had. He was first to talk smack. Oh, and okay, okay, okay. Just thought the, thought the just returning it, you know. Um. Oh, I think Piojo was just upset about l lending his players to the national team, and then you know they they coming back with injuries and stuff. So I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, well, November. Yeah, because two more top games and and Liga almost almost ending Jaime. I know. There's a we're on match day fourteen of seventeen, so we officially have what four more games left, and then yep. 
after that, we'll see how the Ligia or the Repechaje starts. I don't know what to call it. Um, but we have some pretty good matches starting on Thursday. Atleti will play Querétaro. Uh, Atleti not having the best season. They're in last place. Querétaro started off strong. Right now, they're they're out of contention. They're in 15th position. So... It is a, a must-win game for Gallos if they want to try and make the the final 12, the top 12 teams. <laughs> and then on Friday, we'll have Necaxa versus Tijuana. Uh, those are, again, both teams that are not doing so well. Necaxa's in 16th position with 12 points. Tijuana is right there, right behind Juarez. Uh, they're tight on points with 14. So this would be a, a good battle for them. And then another game on Friday will be Juarez versus Mazatlán. Did, did Mazatlán get Tomas Boy? They did. Because that's who, that's who I heard. It's official. I I it's official. So Mr. Boy is back. It's his first game. And... And I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think you should have. You shouldn't have taken it. Should have taken it. Nah. Unless it's an easy paycheck, but it's. And then I have to wonder why do they, why, why, you know, what's what are, the logic behind yeah, that? Yeah. Like, what do they see in him, and why did you cut the leash off? You know, Valencia. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think Boy is a bad coach, and they've gotten a lot of flack for this, but. But, you know, it's just you don't want to join a team midway through the season, you know, or even at the start. It's like a big thing where Bielsa does where he he waits till the season ends and then he comes in because he likes to analyze and do all this yeah. stuff. But if you come in, you're just inheriting a mess. And you got to clean it up. And then... You get blamed for it too. It's just, yeah. it's just too much of a mess. Nothing, and I understand nothing to gain, that, everything to lose. <laughs> well, I mean, and you could be in a position where you're just starting, so no te cabe otra. It's like, you, you know, just take it, take the job. You know, like what's his name did? Um, oh, what's the other team? They left. They fired the coach and they left the um. It's at Toluca. So Toluca has oh, yeah. the interim. They left the interim. So I do think that does make me believe what happened there with with Chepo was, you know, probably got into it with the locker room or something like that. And that's yeah. they ended up booting him. Yeah, because that's Toluca's not it's not known for like they'll they'll wait to the end and they'll they'll, they'll bring in someone. Um, so, so the, the interns kind of finish the season, and then, and then so you see that's that's a bit more practical for me. Um, but but then for that guy, that's like that's a that's a shot, you know. That's like, all right, here's my chance to prove myself. Uh, similar to the guy at Pumas, um, mm -hmm. Liliani, where it's like, you know, fuck it, dude, it's now or never. But boy, boy has like a long career, and he's done decent already at other clubs. To where he he could at least, you know, wait 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 for that opportunity to open up and be like, all right, I'll take over the team, but I'll wait till the 
season ends, you know? And at the meantime, he could start already, you know, checking out the team and scouting and whatever he needs to do, man. I'm curious to see. Yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, because they are one of the only teams that will be allowing fans on Friday. I'm actually curious to see what the turnout will be because if I'm not mistaken, this will be the first time uh, that Mazatlan will be playing with fans since they're, you know, they're the brand new club. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how, how their fans are. From yeah, true. Yeah, like my first. True, imp- and my why f- would they want to? <laughs> <laughs> my first impression is, you know, again, this is like a an inherited club. Morelia was the original club, and then they just took over their Twitter and talked a lot of shit on Twitter. And you would assume that the fans would kind of be like, "All right, you know, this is a." a new club in, in our city. So let's show our support. So I'm very curious to see what the turnout will be. Um, Mazatlan against Juarez on Friday. And uh, same with Necaxa because they're there. They will be the only other team that will be allowing fans on Friday. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Mazatlan's going to have a turnout. I really doubt it. I think that's <laughs> one of the things that if, when they face like in America, Chivas, one of the top, Oh. Uh, you know, then that I think that that's when people will show up. Mm. But I, I don't think. But it's it, probably, it's their first give, of, give away the ticket. It's their first official game, man. You would you would not want to miss your club's first game ever, where they allow fans. Wait, in. they're first of oh, I thought I thought they had. I mean, they've 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 had like you know their for the Copa for the for the, Cause the, Copa, the cup Copa, right because the Copa por Mexico that was already. On COVID time, so they they haven't had fans. Wait, ever. no, and, and, wait, and that that was just all played in in Cancun or something. Or uh, it was between, if I'm not mistaken, Guadalajara and El uh, El Estadio Universidad. No, no, but all the games. I thought all the games. Oh, they were played yeah, there. Yeah, it were either in Guadalajara or in um, in Pumas Stadium. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I got. Confused. Yeah. So Mazatlan haven't. It's been going for so long. Yeah, man. I know. Mazatlan <laughs> haven't haven't had a game with fans yet, so this is this will be their first game. You're right. You're right, Jaime. You're right. I think mm-hmm. uh, that that curiosity factor. I do think people will show up. Yeah. They're, they're gonna wear masks on the way to the stadium, <laughs> and then take them off once they're in the stadium. Well, it's interesting because you know I'm watching American sports like um, like baseball right now. They do have fans inside the Texas stadium, but you know it's at a very limited capacity. But it was really weird to see fans there, and also for the fact that they're hosting, they're not their team's not even in the playoffs. They just decided to choose that stadium as a neutral uh, mm. neutral location for for you know, so nobody has a home field advantage. And then also in football, uh, we're starting to see certain states have fans like Kansas and Florida. So slowly but surely, I think they will be rolling this out, you know, across all sports is just limited capacity. Um, but allowing fans to finally, you know, see their teams. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see how that plays out, and uh, if it does well, I think more, more and more stadiums will start letting fans in. 
Yeah. Uh, finishing off the Jornada 14, Rayados will be playing Puebla on Saturday. Uh, Rayados have sort of bounced back. Now they're in sixth position right below Tigres. With, uh, they have 20 points. And Puebla, you know, mid-range team. They're in 11th position right now. Uh, should be a, a good game for Rayados. They're at home. Uh, the big game of the weekends, at least for us, Chivas will be playing Atlas at home on Saturday. And if I'm not mistaken, the females already played and they, the, the Atlas team beat Chivas. Oh, snap. But for Chivas, it's uh, one of those, I'm going to say it's a big, big match. Uh, just because for the opponents they have lined up, Atlas is the weakest. And then they're going to face up some pretty heavy hitters. Cruz Azul, Pumas, so uh, yes. and Rayados. So, yeah, this is a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the one you want to beat. Yeah, you give them a good beating, and then uh, <laughs> beat, and then steal a point or two from the rest, and and you're good, and you're good, and you're you're solid. You know, you're, you're pretty solid into a twelve team liguilla. <laughs> when I think about the Chivas Atlas game, um, I can't stop but think about the last time they played, where Vega scored, and then he pulled down his shorts instead of his shirt. Oh, that's right. He had to... That's right. He mooned. He mooned everyone. I don't know if that was like intentional or like if he just didn't know what the hell was going on, but he said it wasn't. But I do yeah, think it was. That was pretty funny. You know, and what I think the break. I think that you know having this long break. I think that's good for uh, for Chivas for Buse. Yeah, yeah, for Chivas, but more so for Buse who came in and we talked about how. You know, and just just similar to Boy, he comes in with with you know a bit of disarray. She was with the worst start ever, and and players with COVID and players partying and just all this desmadre. And he came in and he had to start right away working. And um, whew, he's uh, and and it's interesting because we're talking about how you don't want to do that, but if you're you're just starting, you have no choice. And for Boos, it's a bit of the opposite because he's already, you know, close, looking to retire, same as yeah. like Duca. And so this is his shot to be in, in you know, one of the big two, you know, the, yeah. to coach one of the entire... top teams and at least to have said, hey, I, I coached Chivas, you know. And I won silverware with the biggest club. <laughs> Not just that, you know. It's... Well, yeah, yeah, he is a winning coach, so he could he could do that, you know. I, I think like he he's capable of that. I don't I don't care who you who you are or what team you support, but when you're a professional and in your career, you want to eventually play for you know the biggest clubs in Mexico, or at least coach yeah. them. So unfortunately, Chivas have had this. I don't know what to call it, but. We end up getting these players when they're over the hill, and these coaches when they're over the hill. Like we've had Borghetti, but not at his prime. We had like Luis Perez and Luis Garcia. You know, we've had these players that were just like literally in a wheelchair as they were, you know, being presented to the Pelaez. team. Pelaez. Pelaez. Yeah. It's just like, yo, 
<laughs> but then for them, they're like, they can say, oh, well, I played for I'm the Marcio. biggest, you know, I played for the, yeah, yeah I'm Morcillo. I played for Chivas, you know. So I feel Peralta. Like, oh, God, Peralta. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's hey, like. William <sighs> oh, <laughs> um, some more Chivas news. I actually have two things I want to talk about, but the first one is uh, Nene Beltran has uh, renewed his contract, so he's. Huh? He's a Chivas player uh, until 2024, which is yeah. Great. And I know that there was fans crying. Why? Why does? Why isn't he getting PT and all that? And I mean, come on, you have to protect your players. I they're mean, not gonna say if there's something wrong. They're not gonna say it. Um, yeah. They're not gonna. Say, there's this. I was listening to the show. It's on. Uh, if you live in LA, it's on 1330. Um, and it was in the midday, and I can't remember the name. But they had a, I don't know if it was Moncho, but they, they had, um, he's the, bro, I mean, hold on, let me see. I'll tell you who it was. But they had this player, man, and this guy was talking about how when he was with the Selección, he was injured, and he had like, a, he had like, I don't know what kind of injury it was, but it was like, above his privates so i don't know what the hell he did or kicked and he said how he couldn't get out of bed he said his wife had to help him and how he had to like just put eyes and all this like a medication just to go to the training and he said that when they didn't train he would go to the doctor and they would put all these injections and, and it's so crazy um, it, it's so crazy to hear that, and and a lot of times we don't. They're not gonna tell us that, you know. Yeah. That's that's sometimes important. Sometimes when you're listening to some of these interviews or when they're talking, and sometimes the players they forget, man. They'll just start. They'll just start. They'll open up, and they'll tell you the most. Um, you know, you kind of start seeing like another you know from another angle yeah i mean there's a lot of speculation about beltran and how you know he's one of the players that got covid and he hasn't been the same since as far as stamina wise so we don't know if these are some of like you know long-term effects of covid but the fact that he's getting a a four-year extension on his contract is goes to show you know the confidence and and that they, you know, they trust this kid. So um, hopefully he does. He doesn't fulfill his four-year contract at Chivas because I think he's an incredible player, and he's good enough to, you know, to go to Europe along with okay Carlos it is, Rodriguez. It, is, it was it was Moncho Morales. Oh, okay. And because he was he was they were talking about his brother taking over Toluca, who's Carlos Adrian Morales, and so. And so he was talking about like just this injury and how the coach held on to him and just the man, the coach is calling him into camp injured. And I know that was one of one of the criticisms I was hearing from Chi Hermanos. They're like, Oh well, Bruce is not playing him, why is Tata calling him in and whatnot? Because you know, they still wanna see them or they still wanna see how they're doing. You you're still building that relationship with your players. That's a big part of it as well. So it's not like he's going to call him in and then having running laps and doing burpees and shit. 
you know, a lot of times it's like they're just hanging out, you know, because you you have to build part of building the squad is is how you're getting along with the players, how what kind of attitude they have, um, you know, kind of respect they have, or how much do they believe in your in your system and in, in your playing style and whatnot, right? And also, how do they get along with the other players? You want to do that too. You're building, you know, you're, yeah. you're building that. You're building that relationship between the squad. See how well they end up getting along, and that all those things affect. So it was, I was really telling that Morales thing, saying, just just hearing just how how difficult it was. And he was saying how the coach, uh, you know, held on to him long enough for him to recover, because he could have just dropped him. He was, he, I mean, we couldn't even get out of bed. Um, I'm, I'm I'm gonna try to find what show it was. Yeah. Definitely, it, was, it sounds it really interesting. Really, yeah, it's really good sometimes because this dude was just talking, and I guess he he kind of forgot. <laughs> you rarely hear you rarely hear players open up like that, you know. Yeah, I was wondering what um, Carlos Morales was up to nowadays. There he is. He's, he's, a, he's in charge of Toluca for now, at least until the end of the season. Hmm. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about with Chivas, and this is, I wish Chiquis was here for this because this is his comment. He's saying that Chofis is, is basically another reiteration of Pina Arellano. Oh, <laughs> yes and no. Which yes is, no. you know, when you think about it in the beginning, you're like, eh, no, hell no. But then you're like, actually, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty close comparison. Well, I think Pina. I think Pina a, was more goals, and I think was more on fire. And but Pina made a glass. Pina's thing was, yeah, he's made porcelain, man. This guy kept getting injured until eventually he just couldn't recover. Or probably it was all in his head, you know. Where it's like just playing scared because he doesn't want to get injured, and and that's what ended up affecting him. As with trophies. This dude's on preseason and he shows up, you know, twenty pounds overweight. Kind of goes to show. Was he fat or was it just like? No, he was. They, they, uh, well, that's what they said, man. They said that he was. You know, people like to exaggerate. Pounds. Yeah. But you know, it's too many coaches, because his talent, no one's denying his talent. It's undeniable. The talent he has, mm. that's that's not in question. It's his commitment. It's his dedication. Yeah. It's just too many coaches, man. And these coaches, it's not like they don't want a player like that. Every coach wants a player like that. And we saw Matias Almeida gives him the number 10. And you know, it's Argentine, dude. Like Argentines, Brazilians, they don't just hand the 10 to, to anyone. anybody. Yeah. And yeah, they, they value that number. That number is high for them. You know, it's Maradona, Pelé. If you're wearing this number, you got big shoes, man. You're going to make shit happen. And he gives it to Chofis trying to light a fire in his ass and nothing happens, dude. He, just, he never really did. He was expecting another one of those showings like he had at Monterrey, but nope, not really, man. Every now and then he'll show some some sparks of brilliance, but but I wouldn't say enough to justify that that 10. And then you had, uh, we saw with Cardoxo when you pulled him, you know, it's a practice. You pull him to the side, and he talks to him for like an hour. And he's probably telling him, like, dude, man, you know, get your shit together. You could, you could dominate this league, man. What the fuck's wrong with you? 
Uh, you had Thomas Boy, who I thought who he was know. gonna find find it under Thomas Boy. You know, me too. And and Thomas, dude, Thomas, if you saw interviews, he just kept, you know, he like had his backing back. him up and praising yeah, him. Yeah, he had his exactly. back, man. One of the interviews, he said, "I'm, I'm telling." He said that uh, he felt that Chofis was always trying to do the the big moves, and he's like, "Hey, don't worry about that. You know, just play the simple game. They'll come to you. Don't try to do them. Just play your game." And uh, but you know, in between all of that, you keep hearing like Chofis pool party and all this other stuff, and it, it, you know, this dude's just, I guess, not fully in it. And people say, oh, he'll do better away from Chivas. I, I hope he does because he's a good player. I want him to do good. And, and you know, for that talent, I don't know what happened at Chivas. He's not a fit. But if he does, you know, supposedly he's going to he's gonna get transferred out. If he does, hey, man, I, I do wish him the best. Yeah, uh, I w- I, I've, we, we always end up being philosophers, not philosophers, but we we have pretty good predictions and we 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 tend to catch things way ahead of time but i was saying on a few podcasts ago how we should just use them as trading chips and then return get you know victor guzman who's, <laughs> and uh, that that it sounds like that might be happening i don't know if it's necessarily you know trophy's going to pachuca or anything but i mean you give you give them the benefit of the doubt when it's like one coach not playing them, but when when you've had like you mentioned like a line of coaches that have given him a chance and he's not he's not panning out, and he's been at Chivas for a long time. He made his debut in two thousand thirteen. Yeah. People don't for, don't remember that, but he's he made his debut a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, seven years. He's almost been with the Ooh. team for a decade. You know that's a long time. So yeah. At, at this point, it's like you would actually probably do better at a team where there is no pressure on you. They're just looking at you like a superstar. And I'm thinking of like the Mazatlans of the world, the Atleti San Luis of the world, you know, like those smaller clubs. Yeah. Like Juarez. Well, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned Pachuca, but it's, it's uh, I'm going to say Grupo Pachuca and, and Leon is, oh, yeah, is Leon. within that. Yeah, and but so he would. Why be, not Leon? Yeah, he he'd be could, polishing he boots at there. Leon, man. They got. <laughs> no, that dude, that other dude's up there in age, man. They got a. Oh. They got some I mean, players that are yeah, up there. Yeah, I mean, look I at. I think he could, he could swoop in, you know. But and, that's he. He'd be taking over Chapo Montes' spot, and you best believe he's not gonna. He's gonna be Chapo Montes for the spot. True, but I mean, he could. Why not play alongside of him? He would actually have a better chance playing for Pachuca right now, to be honest. Um, but if you look at the uh, Pina Arellano, he actually had uh, a five-year spell with us. In those five years, he played 145 games, had 18 goals. Uh, meanwhile, Trophies, he's had uh, since 2013, so seven years, he's had 139 appearances, 16 goals. So, Oh, similar. You know, it's like you, you ever watch Scooby Doo when like they catch the bad guy, and you're like, "Oh," <laughs> and they pull the mask off. It's like I knew it was yeah. you the whole time. It's like, "Oh, it was Pinarayana the whole time, man." <laughs> it's, it's there. But he, he's actually still playing for Querétaro. I remember seeing him play. He plays like right back now. Yeah, he he's, made a big comeback. He was in somewhere in Central America, yeah. and he found his way back. It's difficult. It's difficult to, you know, to go to 
to go outside of the league or, or even lower leagues and to find yourself back in Primera, it's it's difficult task. I don't know how he did it, but he did it, man. And I know he scored a goal recently. Uh, but, uh, I think so, so yeah. Good. I think he did. That's good, though. It's good. Tell you, tell you. Yeah, so we'll be looking forward to Liam Mekis returning this weekend and looking forward to seeing uh, fans in the stadiums. I'll be I'll be trying to tune in on Friday with that Mazatlan game and see how the fans are. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the boat rowing uh, to the end of this, this season. 12 out of the 18 teams will be making playoffs, so it's definitely going to go down to the last game, I think. But hopefully Chivas beat Atlas, the Civil War, and we have some entertaining games this this weekend. Um, do you have any other closing thoughts before we, we wrap it up? Closing thoughts? Uh, no, not really. Just, just I think Vuce. I think he's gonna he's gonna show the type of coach he is. I think this 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 break is you know was good for him and. I expect a good win, a good win over Atlas. Yeah, it needs to be convincing. We have to avenge our our women that lost three zero to them last <laughs> week. They they deserve us to to beat them for them and and just have that little brother, you know, go back to his room. <laughs> uh, there also will be some other good matches on, on Saturday Cruz Azul Tigres that should be good uh, Pumas Toluca Santos Pachuca and we mentioned earlier Leon America will will close things on, on Monday um, but yeah for everyone thank you for listening to our podcast and we will catch you guys next week mm-hmm.